0: Hi, I'm Brad Hull and I'm Kevin Hickey. We're attorneys with Hickey and Hull Law Partners. This is Coffee with Counsel. In these episodes we share a cup of coffee, we discuss legal issues and give legal information that will hopefully be helpful with your case.
1: Now let's get into this episode.
0: Hi, I'm Brad Hull. I'm here with Kevin Hickey. We're attorneys with Hickey and Hull Law Partners. This is Coffee with Counsel. Today we're going to be talking about attorney ad litems we're also going to do a non-legal minute segment and we'll look at a word in brad's legal dictionary so to start with non-legal minute
1: do you have anything I. you've always got something so i'm <laughs> i'm good with it i guess you went to
0: montana for a week <laughs> yeah and you don't have anything for us
1: well that's i well, that's non-legal that's non-legal um yeah montana's beautiful by the way in case you haven't heard um Went through uh, Yellowstone and up to Glacier National Park, and it's uh, it's beautiful. I will be going again, for sure.
0: Well, I do have something, though. You're right. Uh, I had a really long rant planned out on the NCAA and this, what I thought was just a horrendous decision to have NC State have to forfeit the game when they got thousands of people coming in there with no safety protocols, and... They played the day before and all that. I was going to get into it and really just go at it, but they sort of redeemed themselves. So I'm going to give them credit because I'm pretty happy about this decision to let athletes profit off their name, image, and likeness. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with it. Yeah. I think it's going to be wildly different than what we've seen in the past i don't know what will happen i don't know how much money these players are going to be able to make i don't know how it's going to affect competitive balance if it's going to help teams like arkansas or or hurt them i will say probably shouldn't like talk too much about it because the more i talk the more i will probably say outlandish things because i i'm really optimistic that it's going to help arkansas and schools like us a lot
1: so Why do you you say that? Why do you think it will help Arkansas?
0: I think because a school like Arkansas has such a almost monopoly over the state when it comes to something like this. So if you are a baseball player and you're coming to Arkansas, casual fans like me, we know these players. I know cops. I know Bob Moore. I know these guys, and I basically don't watch baseball unless it's a big postseason game they have marketability here that they wouldn't have other places and then for the big sports those guys are just stars across the state and i've lived in other places like when i lived in atlanta there was there wasn't a single college team that dominated the market like that you know the stars there were professional athletes mm-hmm. and we treat them mm-hmm. the same way here So I think they're going to have a ton of marketability here, and I also think it will help from the standpoint of uh, just being kind of frank about it for, like, basketball. I think it's going to help us compete with the cheaters because (laughs) it's going to level the playing field a little bit on whose players are getting money.
1: I think think that's a good point, and Arkansas has always had that um, it's kind of a – a fiefdom of, of, of its own as they say because we don't have a pro pro team here so the Razorbacks uh, have long dominated now Arkansas State's starting to come up and get some a little more pull but um, if you're the parent of a child that's going to be um, very marketable and is going to make you know, clearly each player it's just like the NBA or anything else each player depending on how good they are how popular they are is going to make more money than someone that's not so popular or not as good of a player. So at what point does a parent say, well, we need a publicist. We wanna make sure that we have a million people seeing him mm-hmm. on Instagram or whatever, as opposed to 50,000 or a 1,000. Um, how many times is uh, Kentucky on TV as opposed to Ole Miss? How many times is Kentucky on TV as opposed to UCLA or Syracuse? So you, if, if you're now going to be a brand of yourself a person, you're a brand. Exposure is going to be the big deal. So, the school choice is going to be big. You're obviously want to going to want to click with your coach and your assistant coaches, but you're also if you're marketing and you're wanting to be able to make money now, you're going to want exposure. So that's something they're going to have to consider.
0: Well, and, and kind of the same idea. If you are a really good player and you want to go to Alabama for football versus Arkansas, I think we have more, optimistically again, I think we have more pull than maybe we had in the past because the 50th guy on the roster for Alabama is not going out and making a bunch of money off of his name. And waiting three years to get on the field is going to cost you money now. If you go to Arkansas and you can play right away, you can start making money right away and you can be a star there who's worth more, that could happen. I don't know for sure if that's going to happen, but I could see that happening. I think there's a very real chance that happens, and that helps us as well. That's true. That's true. We won't have room for all the national championships, Captain. That's right.
1: That's basically what you're saying.
0: I I got there. I told you I would. Okay, well, we'll move on then. So our main topic for this one is attorney ad litems, and I'll just kind of give the more legal – basis here about attorney ad litem and then we can discuss it a little bit more. So the an attorney ad litem by statute can be appointed by the court in certain cases to represent a child or children in a case where it would facilitate the case and protect the rights of the children. Generally what you'll see these in are cases for divorce actions where you have custody at issue, paternity actions, guardianships, adoptions, and then they will be appointed in dependency neglect cases, which are DHS cases. The ad role is to represent the best interests of a child. They have the authority to access records for the child, meet with the parents, visit homes. These are things that they'll generally be expected to do by the court, and it can go beyond that, but I think that's the minimum you would expect. The ad must report to the court if the child's wishes defer from his or her determination. About what is best for the child um, but they have to give some sort of report to the court so their recommendation may not be in line with that if it's different they have to let the court know the Arkansas courts have a fund that pays for the ad litems at times but that fund does not always have uh, cash in it and so there are often cases where the ad litem fees are paid by the parties and usually that's going to be evenly split The court can change that up, and in DHS cases, the state is paying for the ad litem. The role of an ad litem can be a bit confusing, but they can be very helpful in a case. They are particularly helpful in cases where you're working with the child so that they understand what's going on in the case and can be more comfortable with the process without the parents having to put them in the middle and discuss the case with them where it starts to get confusing is they are representing the best interest of the child a lot of times ad litems feel the best thing for the child is to have the issues in the case resolved and the parents to be getting along and to not have conflict so they take a role as a peacemaker and they start to try to resolve the issues and that is good in theory but in reality The court gives a lot of weight to what the ad litem is recommending, and the parents and counsel know that, and that starts to put a quasi-judicial type of role in the ad litem and their recommendations, for better or worse. Yeah. So that's kind of the general broad angle view of what you get with an attorney ad litem. What's, What's your typical experience with it? And I mean, are you favorable of them? You know, what are you going to advise a client about if we're talking about ad litem? Um,
1: Well, I want to talk a little bit about them and in other states, too, in case people from other states are watching this, and remind me, too, if I don't get back to it, on payment. I had an interesting thing happen today on ad litem payment. Yeah. Um, every state that I've been in, uh, I've, I've practiced in several different states, and all of them treat ad litems differently. There is, I always thought that most states did it kind of like Arkansas does, just like you just described it. Um, Some courts in other states will use ad litems just as an attorney for the child and they don't do a whole lot of investigation, it's just like a third attorney that's in the case and then they'll have a custody evaluator that goes in and does the investigation part. Other states, they will have an attorney ad litem and a guardian ad litem, which I never understood. It it was two separate entities. Um, so make sure you talk with your attorney in your state as to what the role of that ad litem is because it can be very different in different states. Um, in Arkansas I always talk with clients if we have an ad litem appointed I tell them look we've, we, we now are kind of trying to convince two people the judge and the ad litem and we need to make just as much of our case to the ad litem as we can to the judge because and research shows this that the, the judges routinely a heavy majority of the time go with what the ad litem recommends. They can go against it. I've had a handful of times where I've gotten a judge to go against an ad litem's recommendation but I think when you're preparing your case you have to assume that unless you can do Something different if the ad is going against you, yeah, you've got to uh prepare for that when you go to court. That the judge is going to give a lot of weight to, to the ad litem's recommendation. I think
0: we were at the same conference CLE where, where one of the judges said he had gone against the primary recommendation of an ad litem like one time, and yeah, he'd been on the bench a while, so it's not always not all judges are that consistent with it, but it is. Per- I mean, overwhelmingly, they are going to side
1: with the ad be, be careful, too. I want to make sure this is out there. Be careful, too, that you don't get either too happy or too sad after you talk with the ad litem. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients tell me, oh, my gosh, I, I just left that meeting with the ad litem. They love me. We're golden. We're good. And then you get to the hearing, and the ad litem had a totally different version of that meeting or a totally different version of the client of, or uh, opinion about the client so be careful about that talk with your attorney about how it went if you want to and let them know and then you can kind of evaluate that but try not to read too much into it one way or the other because a lot of times you can be wrong once you get down to the final hearing
0: there is definitely politicking that an ad litem has to do mm-hmm. because they want to make sure everybody feels like they're getting a fair shake at least most ad litems do that. Mm-hmm. And so they will say things that maybe are interpreted the wrong way. And I think that's part of the problem. There.
1: Well, and if I have a client that is there, they are on the negative side of it, they meet with the ad litem and they come back to me and say, I don't think she heard a word I said. I, I don't think I got anything across. I'll a lot of times tell them, schedule another meeting with her, yeah. uh, set up another consultation and go talk to her and say, Hey, i I had these five things or whatever that I really, really wanted you to understand and that, and get across to you That's I think is very important. And tell them. If there's someone you think they need to go talk to, like a teacher or a counselor, tell them that. Uh, they need as much information as they can so they can make a good, uh, balanced decision.
0: And they also don't assume that the ad litem is talking to your attorney. Right. Uh, pass that information along to your attorney because they may not know. That's right.
1: That's absolutely right. Oh, going back to that payment yeah. issue, um, I had a judge call me today and I've never had this happen before, left me a voicemail and said, uh, Mr. Hickey, you don't need to call me back. I got your motion to, we were asking the court to appoint a, uh, an ad litem. He said, I'm going to grant that. We're going to appoint so-and-so as the ad litem. I will tell you that, uh um, I typically require each party to uh, deposit $500 retainer. Each each parent will have to do that into this attorney's uh, trust account, and they will also be able to bill at $175 an hour. I've never had a judge tell me what the ad is gonna be able to bill hourly. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. So that's gonna go into the order. So as a client, you're gonna be able to know kinda what, what you're gonna end up spending or at least get an idea. And so
0: when they do that a lot of times, just kind of to be clear on it, they will set up a retainer at the beginning. Each person will have to pay an equal amount, and the ad litem will build throughout the case. At the end of it, the ad litem will submit a motion to get an order to pay fees, and then the order will be entered. There are times where that order may not split the fees evenly because I think everybody's concern that comes up all the time is, well, what if he's calling the ad litem every day? Mm-hmm. Or what if...
1: Why should I have to pay have for to that? Why should have to pay
0: for that, him badgering the ad litem? And the reality is you probably won't as long as it's, you know, clearly egregious. But mm. if the ad litem spends more time with the other, that's not necessarily grounds for it to be unevenly split. It's only in those egregious cases where the court will do it, but there is some relief there if that right. happens.
1: Right.
0: And the initial retainers vary wildly. I've seen none to a thousand dollars I
1: have too, and uh, and you know whether to get an ad litem or not sometimes you 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 need to talk about that with your attorney and decide if you want to ask for one or not that won't prevent the other side from asking for one if you if you decide not to but that's one of the things you have to think about is the cost involved because you're gonna have you're gonna have another attorney that you're paying half the fees on
0: Mm -hmm. one thing I didn't mention but I'll say before we move on note, ad items are specially trained to be ad items. They have to go to a specific uh, legal education class. It's like a 10-hour program, and they get certified by the courts to serve in that role. I think you and I have both done the certification. I don't think yep. either of us are certified at this time.
1: I don't think I'm certified at this time, <laughs> no. And, you know, uh, one thing for parents to keep in mind, uh, these ad li- part of the training... A good portion of the training is, is how to deal with, with children. They're not going to bring your child in and say, okay, who do you want to live with? That's It's, it's not that way. Um, that may end up coming up in a conversation somehow, especially if the child's the one that brings it up. But they just want to get an idea of how your child's doing uh, in school, how do you like it at dad's, how do you like it at mom's. Uh, the goal is to try to interview them and talk to them in a very even way, balanced way, and try to really get their true feelings and see how they feel about different issues. So uh, they're trained in how to, how to talk to children.
0: We'll move on to uh, legal dictionary. But before we talk about this episode's word, I want to go back, last time we did this, the word was pleadings. And since that time, I've seen something that I think would be helpful to show as a follow up to that. All
1: right.
0: Which is a pleading I stumbled across filed in federal court by a pro se defendant or a plaintiff I should say, a pro se plaintiff. It was titled Notice to F this court and everything it stands for. <laughs> and I'm I'm uh, censoring it.
1: So it's, everybody knows pro se means without a lawyer. So this she, person filed it she without filed a it lawyer. Herself.
0: And it's actually pretty well done. I mean, as far as the reason I bring it up is because this is an example of a pleading that I believe meets all the technical requirements of formatting. It's got appropriate caption, case caption on it at the top, uh, double space, the right font, the right format. I think he, she had an appropriate certificate of service on it. Really, everything was pretty much done right, but it was still a wholly inappropriate document. (laughs) Uh, From the title, to F this court and everything it stands for, it also, at various times, uh, uses obscenities uh, such as... I'm trying not to read. I don't think I need to read it, but I think we get it. The B word is often is how she refers to the judge on many occasions. Uh, Just really, it's. We'll. uh, I'll put it out somewhere for people to see, but it's it's good, it's it's a good good read, and is uh, definitely entertaining, pretty comical, but it, it there is a lesson to be learned from it.
1: Well, there are rules of civil procedure, and uh, one of the rules of civil procedure talks about pleadings and what you can put in there and what you can, and it does talk about if you're putting something in there for the purposes, sole purposes of embarrassment or to break decorum of the court or something like that, it's probably going to be improper. Um, You know, if you're up testifying on the stand and you witness something and you need to say what happened or what someone said and it's got offensive words in it, you've got to testify truthfully and say what you heard, no matter what those words are. But when you're do- using a pleading, yeah, you're supposed to have a little more decorum.
0: Yeah, I, it's a little hard at times to, to tell if she's referring to the other attorney or the judge, but for an example, uh, keep our names out of your unworthy mouth, you old and potent geezer, is uh, lying in there.
1: Oh, I knew I'd find a good one somewhere that I could You know, read. she probably could have called it motion to vent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cuz I don't know if she's really asking for anything. No,
0: well, I think what had happened was a motion to dismiss had already been granted and this uh, was a basically a rebuttal to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty much a motion to vent.
1: So she wanted to go on the record. Yeah, it's exactly Let what you it was. know how I feel on and, the record.
0: And she did. <laughs> well,
1: there you go. <laughs> this week's uh now she could get sanctioned for that. It'd been interesting to see if if she did. I didn't not.
0: look into the case enough to see if that happened. I just I stumbled across it looking at some uh, other transcripts that I can't even begin to read because they were far too vulgar.
1: No. Now, some of the most fun pleadings I've ever read are when two attorneys get into it, either at a deposition or somewhere else, and they file motions against each other for sanctions, and they put they put the whole laundry list of what happened at the deposition, and then counsel stood up and called me blah blah blah, and, and then the witness did blah. I mean, those get really funny. Yes. Because the, they, they I'm, I'm and you can find those. I'll
0: tell you the reason I stumble on this. I'm wanting to try to start sharing some of those. I'm oh, so that, you yes, need so. to. So. That stuff's funny. <laughs> But, yeah, they can get out of hand and just get wild, some of the things that are said. But this, this week, sir, our, our legal dictionary, our term is default judgment. And a default judgment is a judgment in favor of a party based on the other party's failure to take action or respond to the claim. Default judgments are commonly used where the defendant fails to appear before the court or submit a response or answer after being summoned or served. The default judgment grants the relief requested by the claimant and does not generally require extensive factual or legal analysis from the court. Often the primary factual considerations will relate to the amount of damages. You got any input on default default judgment? I
1: do. When you first get served with a lawsuit, you need to read that summons. You're going to get a complaint, and then you're going to have a summons with it, and it's going to tell you to answer within 30 days or whatever time frame for your state, Uh, and that can vary a little bit, but you need to read that. If you don't file an answer by that time, you're going to be in default, and that can be uh, pretty detrimental to you. Now the rule now in Arkansas says you're then in default, and um, the court I think it says the court may enter a default judgment. Most judges now will say, file a motion for default, and we'll set a hearing on damages. Um, The rule used to say that the court shall enter a judgment. So if you didn't answer, and the other side said they're in default, judge, the judge entered a, a judgment right then. So now it gives the plaintiff, the defendant, a little leeway to try at least come to court and try to fight fight out the damage issue.
0: Yeah, it's not much leeway.
1: Well, no, <laughs> you, but you,
0: you need to get it filed in time.
1: You absolutely need to get it filed in time. There's there's no question about that. Um, because it's not it doesn't look good you can't tell me it doesn't affect the way the judge sees the case or sees you as a defendant it's like well they're not taking this seriously enough and you're already on the
0: defense as a defendant that's and right So coming into it now on the defense and you have to fight that a judgments already been granted terrible spot to be in makes it even less likely that you're gonna win the case so you, you want to avoid that if at all
1: possible right right absolutely
0: Okay, that's all I have for this one. You got
1: anything? I don't have anything else.
0: All right, that's it for us today, then. Uh, as always, you can find us on kevinhickeylaw.com and on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.
1: And go, Hawks. See you next time.